Good afternoon. The business buzz has arrived. Glad you're here. This is Harold Littlejohn. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. We're going to cover a lot of different business topics, a lot of uh, interesting things going on with the economy. I'm, I like to play devil's advocate once in a while. I have a few things to start out with. One of the one of the things that has struck me lately is a practice that I've been using for the last seven or eight years. It's it's an interesting comes from the island of Hawaii. It's called Ho'oponopono. And if you've ever heard of that, it's it's a very interesting way to sort of step back. If you're having one of those stressful days at work, uh, nothing's going right. And you need a, you just need things to sort of turn around and calm down and, and get a little better. What it is, is I'm going to tell you a little story. In the 1980s, there was a clinical psychologist named Dr. Hugh Len, H-E-W-L-E-N. He has a lot longer name than that. He went to work for the Hawaii State Hospital's insane criminals ward that ward was a very unpleasant place to be if you could imagine you had murderers uh, very bad incurable type criminals in this ward that it was so bad that the people who worked there were calling in sick all the time they were having lots of trouble with violence in the hallways uh, there was violence, uh, patients against other patients, patients against employees. It was a real miserable place. In fact, Dr. Lynn even reported that paint would not even stick to the walls in this place. And the plumbing was always, it, they couldn't even get it fixed. It was just such a negative atmosphere. So he began his work, and his work you would think if you're a psychologist and you're working with patients, you would think you would sit down one-on-one -on -one and, oh, you know, maybe ask them questions about whether they, you know, uh, what was it like when they were a child and how did they, you know, get off course and what made them become, you know, uh, bad criminals with all these crazy records. And uh, these weren't just criminals, these were insane criminals. So it was a hospital setting. So you would think he would be interviewing them, sitting with them one-on-one, -on -one, having uh, meetings and uh, all the back and forth they do at a psychologist's office. But that's not what he did. What he did, he practiced a Hawaiian problem-solving method called Ho'oponopono, which is H-O apostrophe O, P-O-N-O, P-O-N-O. If you want to Google that, there's tons of information on there. There's whole websites devoted to the practice of this method called Ho'oponopono. I've been actually using it myself for you know, just about 10 years now, and I can attest to the fact that it works. Before I go into the actual practice of Ho'oponopono, I want to tell you, complete the story of Dr. Hu Lin. So, so he's working at this terrible place, but instead of actually sitting down with the patients, like you would expect the, 
a normal psychologist to do. He would actually just pour over the records themselves, like the, the case files of these patients. I'll call them patients. They're also prisoners, but I'll just call them patients. So he would pour over the case files of these prisoners while he was reading it. He would say things to himself, and these are all. This is all the the method that he's using. But here's the here's the thought process that he that he discusses in his book of what he was doing. He would go over a case file of some horrible uh, event, uh, murder, whatever this bad, uh, insane criminal had done to get there in the first place. And he would he would say to himself, "What is it?" What is it that I share that brought this into my awareness? In other words, something now is connected between this criminal and now I'm aware of it. So now I am sharing this program that that person has. So basically it's like, it's kind of like file sharing in the cloud. So, and you can relate this for yourself, you can start using this towards your own problem. So here's what Dr. Hu Lin did. He would sit there and once he realized that, okay, now we're sharing this, we're sharing this whole event, we're sharing this, he calls it a program. So he would say four phrases over and over. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you not necessarily to the person that he's reading about, not to the victim he's reading about, not to the judge that he's reading what happened through. He would say that to what he calls the divine. I kind of call that the Holy Spirit, and it relates to all the other spiritual, just about every spiritual book I've ever read ends up having some sort of Holy Spirit or a non-physical entity that is inside us all. So if you think of it that way, so Dr. Hulan would pour over these records and he would say, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, over and over and over. And he worked 20 hours a week. And th the result of this is that as he began this work, things started changing in this ward. The violence started decreasing. It still was happening a little bit with some of the newer patients, but the violence began decreasing. The employee absenteeism began decreasing. There was a lot less negative energy in this whole place. One of the factors that happened was the patients began to begin to be able to actually leave the ward. He mentions in the book that they were able, able to have like bake sales in the parking lot. They were actually playing tennis, which was very popular in the 1980s. Everybody played tennis back then. And so gradually this entire ward started becoming a lot less violent and a lot more peaceful and everybody started really getting along and everything was much, much better. The end result of his work is after two or three years of this, this practice that he did, 
And he also taught the staff how to do it. So not only was he doing this uh, sort of a meditation, not only was he doing it, but he taught the staff to do it also. And that's, that's a big point. I'm glad I didn't miss that because that just goes to show that this is something that if you if you're currently in a business where you have a large number of employees that are say not getting along you've got tension in the office you've got tension out in the field you've got competition uh, this method can actually help your business directly so he taught the staff to help also to do this so they were all doing it within two or three years the entire ward was no longer needed and it was closed down. Almost all, I believe all but like two of all those patients, I'm not sure the number of patients, I believe it was 30 or 40, all but two of them were actually uh, released to other places so they didn't need an insane hospital ward for criminals anymore. And when I heard this story, I was pretty amazed. It also turns out that when Dr. Hu Lin was first told about this process, when he was learning it, he actually walked out of a few seminars and didn't believe it. It took him quite a while to actually come around to the fact that it does work. But he finally decided to learn it, and he's Hawaiian also. And I have actually practiced this on a regular basis. And especially, it, you can do it any time, What's interesting is if you do it during a time of extra stress, like something bad's going on at your office, like I say, if you run a business and you find that the personalities of the, biz of the people at your restaurant or your office are like having conflicts, they're not getting along, I can guarantee that if you put this into practice, you'll start noticing a change in the behavior around you. Not only does it calm you down, but it also will actually start changing the behavior around you. Our ego mind, our, our earthbound physical mind, our brain, always wants to analyze this in a physical world analysis. So any of you scientist engineer types out there uh, might be inclined to think, okay, now how could this possibly work? What would, the, what would the connections be between electrical waves going from Dr. Hulin's head to the patient's head and around the place to the nurse? Now how would that happen? Well, the whole point of this is that the whole idea, if you believe in Jesus as the Holy Spirit, the whole point is, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't exist in a physical world. It's the non-physical entity that we're all in. We're all inside that. We're all participating in it. So if you start asking yourself now, how could this work in a physical explanation? It really, I don't know of any actual explanation. I've read lots of books that try to explain it. There's a man named Wallace Waddles who wrote back in the, around 1910, he had a book, I believe it was called uh, The Secret of Being Rich, something like that. 
and he mentioned his theory was there's thinking stuff in the universe that actually hears everything and learns everything and he but he was kind of calling it thinking like ether in the universe but I don't go that far physically with this. What I do recommend, and I do always say, you don't have to believe this, you just have to try it. And the Ho'oponopono of saying, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, actually helps you to, number one, it'll calm you down, and number two, you'll notice that the people around you will actually sometimes have a quick and direct It'll actually have a visible effect. It doesn't always have a visible effect right away. But I have, there's been times, for instance, I will have a time where I will actually be looking for something and I can't find it and I start getting frustrated and my old mind starts getting worked up. And if I remember to just calm down, one of the problems with this is in the heat of the moment out in the world when everything's happening and everybody's uptight, in the heat of the moment, you forget that you have this available. So any business owner who has conflicts going on, stress going on, uh, personality arguments going on between coworkers at work, this actual system, if you were to sit down and teach your staff all about this after you start practicing it, I would venture to say that your situation at your business would get better and better and like i say i've been using this now for about 10 years i've had many instances where in my opinion amazing results happen within minutes of doing this the other thing about it is you can do it and you don't have to tell anyone so before you think think you need to train people you can test this yourself and you can just do it on your own. Nobody has to know you're doing it. I do it a lot when I'm driving. So even if I'm not alone in the car, nobody knows that I'm actually doing this process while I'm driving, while I'm uh, sitting somewhere, while I'm waiting. Another great place is like if you're at the post office in the line there, as opposed to uh, you know doing anything else, you can start doing that. And it might even make the line move a little quicker for you. But you just have to try it and see if you can see if you can try that and you know find out if it doesn't actually make a difference. The book that I learned this from first, and then of course I've done a lot of research since, and there's entire websites. In fact, one of the websites that's real big on this whole Pono Pono is called, I believe it's called the easiest way. And the woman who runs that is actually, she's from the East Coast, I think. She's actually, what's interesting is she's a former CPA. But she, you can just tell, but if you read her website, uh, she's definitely making money with this thing. She's monetized it, as they would say on the Internet. But I don't subscribe to her work, but I do read her blog postings and things. And it's just an amazing thing. She's taking it to a whole other level, which I haven't done. But I want you to learn the whole Pono, whole Pono Pono, and I want you to give it a try. We're coming up on a break. I'll be back 
Honey, I'm really worried about our retirement funds. Oh, me too. We lost so much value in the recession in the stock market. I'm worried we won't have enough to retire. Jim next door told me that he had set up a new kind of IRA with the Gold Silver Group. He said how simple and safe it was. It's a private storage IRA, and we could have real gold and silver in our hands. Really? You mean we can actually see it and touch it? Absolutely. Jim said we could have all the benefits of an IRA to help build our retirement income. Bottom line, we would own a real tangible asset. And we would have the security of knowing we're protected, no matter what the economy does. What do you think? I think we need to find out how to get our own private storage IRA. We need to call the Gold Silver Group right now. Are you ready to protect your future? Call 800-511-6771 now to find out how easy and safe it is to set up a private storage IRA with Gold Silver Group and find out how you can qualify for up to $700 in free silver. All transactions are privately delivered and fully insured. Please call us now. 800-511-6771. Hello, I'm Joyce Meyer, and I want to personally invite you to join me on this station every Monday through Friday for enjoying everyday life. You know, life's journey is challenging for all of us. And on my program, I'm going to share with you practical truths from God's Word that are going to help you live the life that God intends for you to have. Let me encourage you that Jesus came so that you can know peace and truly enjoy your everyday life. Weekdays at 1015 here on KKXX. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn here. I have a topic that I think is very important for a lot of you. It's very, it could be very exciting to find out some new information. It could also be very upsetting to think that there could be a lot of big problems coming on the national business side of things and the national economy that, to be honest, is not being discussed on your basic news show. So if you're, if you're still watching the main cable news channels, you, I guarantee you will not be hearing about this. You may hear a little blurb once in a while on a business channel like CNBC, but hardly even there. Uh, you, I don't think you'll hear Jim Cramer talking about this on Mad Money. Uh, I just don't think you're going you're gonna to get this information. But if you listen to KKXX enough, you'll get the information you need. And to be forewarned is to be forearmed. It's interesting that during the break, the gold-silver IRA came up as, a, as an advertisement because that does relate to what I'm going to talk about here. Gold and silver... I call money insurance. We have insurance guests sometimes that talk about uh, homeowners insurance and uh, insuring the, the rodeo and the bull, bull riders and all that. But if you insure your home, you insure your health, you insure your life, you insure your car, why don't you insure your money? I have a little allegorical story that I want to tell you. This is a story that I presented to my uh, Toastmasters. I, I heartily recommend the Toastmasters organization. 
It gives everyone a chance to learn how to speak in front of a group, to get your point across in usually, I believe, five to seven minutes is the normal Toastmasters speech that you make. You can make longer ones, but uh, I recommend anybody that's interested in uh, getting the word out, talking about your business, doing whatever uh, you do professionally, uh, it never hurts to actually give a speech. So there's at least two Chico Toastmasters groups. There's a real good one in Paradise that I was a member of, and I recommend that. Anyway, this is a this is a little condensed version of a Toastmasters speech that I gave a few years back. And here's the, the scene. The scene is a bank, a bank safety deposit box area, and two families have just come from a funeral where the grandfather, uh, we'll call it Grandpa Smith and Grandpa Jones, have just passed away. Now, the family doesn't know this, but... Back in the 1930s or 40s, both grandfathers put some things away in the safety deposit box for their family to have when they passed away. So first, uh, the Smith family goes in and gets their safe, small safety deposit box file from the banker, and they open it up. And there's 200, there's, I'm sorry, there's $700 bills. There's $7,000 in cash. Now, these bills were from like the 1930s, so there may be some collector value in some of those bills, but generally speaking, paper money $100 that he put in that safety deposit box 70 years ago is still worth $100. So the Smith family that just opened up the safety deposit box because Grandpa in his will mentioned that they are entitled to what's in the safety deposit box have $7,000 in bills, paper money. Now the interesting part of the story I wonder if anybody's guessing what may be happening here. The interesting part of the story is when the Jones family gets to Grandpa Jones's safety deposit box and they open it up. And in Grandpa Jones's safety deposit box, Grandpa Jones also put $7,000 in the safety deposit box back in the 30s. But you know what he did? When gold was $35 an ounce, he bought 200 gold ounce coins and put those in his safety deposit box. That's how he put his $7,000 in the safety deposit box. So before we get into any numbers, does anyone have any guess right now which family would you rather belong to? Uh, Smith, who left the $100 bills, they're older. They might have some collector value, but they're kind of like the ones that might be in your wallet sometimes. Or would you be happier being the Jones heir who just opened up the $7,000 Grandpa Jones put in the safety deposit box? 
if you're not certain which family you would rather belong to, let me give you a little uh, update on the mathematics. Obviously, Grandpa Smith's paper money is still worth $7,000, which would buy, it'd buy a pretty nice used car. It would actually buy a pretty nice vacation. You could probably do a uh, two-week trip somewhere nice for seven grand, I would imagine. But Grandpa Jones' safety deposit box investment is now worth about $250,000 because each one of those coins is now worth, at today's price, about $1,250. That's an ounce of gold. So while the Smiths can now go out and shop for a used car or maybe a vacation, the Jones family can now go out and shop for a house or a bunch of land or farmland, uh, something, something significant. Now, this is not rocket science. That's what gold is. That's what it's for. It preserves the wealth. The average, the average currency in the world has a lifespan of 27 years. Our currency, the U.S. dollar, since 1971 has not been backed by gold. So it's technically 46 years old when you look at it that way. So right now, the U.S. dollar as a paper money is on borrowed time. The only thing that keeps paper money going is the faith that people have in it. That gold that Grandpa Jones put in that safety deposit box 70 years ago was put there as insurance. Maybe gold would have only been 35 an ounce 70 years from now. He didn't know. But I guarantee if gold was only 35 an ounce right now, the price of a used car would only be a couple hundred dollars. In other words, that's where the prices would have stayed. But prices didn't stay that way. And houses, uh, I know my parents bought their first house for $9,000 in the 1950s. Uh, they, they, they bought their second house for $17,000 in the late 1950s. What I'm trying to say here is that everybody should be protecting their money. And the way you protect it is you buy insurance. And the way you buy insurance is to buy precious metals, like Grandpa Jones did. Back in his day, I'm sure you could have bought a nice house for that $7,000. So if you had a third grandpa, if you had Grandpa Smith leaving the paper money, he did the worst. If you had Grandpa Jones leaving the gold coins, he did well. It would have been harder to do, but I think a third grandpa could have bought a house back then for 7000 and then willed that down the road, and then someone would have a house that's now worth two fifty. So I would say Jones and that third person, we'll call them Johnson, Jones and Johnson both protected the wealth that they had. When you think about it, a guy back in the 1930s or 40s saving $7,000, that's 
that was a lot of money. That'd be like you and I saving Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. It seems like every day I'm asked about vitamin D in the sun. The main question being, how much sunlight do I need to expose myself to get an adequate level of vitamin D? So my answer is simply, use your head. Five or ten minutes in the sun is more than sufficient to create enough vitamin D to maintain good health. Maybe staying out in the sun all afternoon to get your vitamin D isn't the smartest thing in the world. It might not be a bad idea to talk to your primary care provider about getting a test to see how much vitamin D you have circulating in your body. That could tell them whether or not you might need supplementation orally, which is the American Academy of Dermatology's recommended way to supplement vitamin D. So while the professionals work out exactly how much vitamin D we need in our system, use common sense, protect if you need to, and consult your primary care physician if you think you might be deficient in vitamin D. I'm Dr. Paul Sabin, and that's the skin you're in. If you have skin care questions, make an appointment today with Dr. Paul Sabin of North Valley Dermatology. Call Dr. Paul Sabin today at 342-3686. Again, that's 342-3686. For an engine to start, quite a few things have to happen with split-second timing. Many things can happen perfectly, but if one small thing doesn't work... Our radio station is much the same way. We can have all the right teaching and talk programs. We can be broadcasting to thousands. But if one crucial element is missing, it just doesn't work. That element is your financial support of our programs. Regular financial support and prayer support. We depend on it. With you standing behind us, everything will run just fine. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Business Buzz is back. Glad you could make it. I have with me today a co-host and uh, my guest today, uh, Douglas Broughton. I wanted to talk with him a little bit before we move on. We're going to also talk about some more uh, national uh, economy type questions and answers. But uh, Douglas is here and I kind of wanted to introduce him and just have him talk a little bit. You hear him on uh, Monday and Wednesdays quite a bit. But uh, how's it going, Douglas? It's great. Yep, love it. Good, good. Beautiful, Having a good day? day. Oh, it's a really good day. Yes, it is. Is the weather a little better than last week? Oh, I'm able <laughs> to make it. You know, it's yeah. it's. Uh, it's really I can't not stay. bad today. No, it's not. This morning, the nights are cool. As long as the nights are real cool, that uh, those window fans really draw in the cool, cool house down for most of the day. Yeah, you don't you don't need air on you know when it's no, not you super save, super hot. Save a lot of uh, PG and E money when there's a breeze. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. You know, one thing about Douglas, he's uh, he's the uh, CEO and uh, founder of the CBNA, this group that has a lot of business people doing a lot of business uh, in Chico, uh, weekly meetings. They they really do a good job helping each other out, getting their businesses rolling. But Douglas, you have some other business uh, acumen that you practice, and you help a lot of people with your skills. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Well, I help a few people because I can only handle so many. And I try to keep it where I can handle the business that I get. Uh, I uh, I did cabinets for years and years, uh, a lot of years. Started in the 70s, 
but I was actually doing building furniture before that uh, on a occasional basis. So I treat my cabinets more like their furniture, higher-end furniture, like Ethan Allen and Thomasville quality. And the finishes that I do are at the top shelf. They're out of 1 to 10, they're 10. Now, and, are, are you finishing cabinets that are already made, or do you actually build the cabinets themselves? Well, I can build cabinets. I try not to take on full-blown kitchens, uh, but uh, I can do that. I did one last winter. I brought in two other people. To work together side by side with me, one out of Reading and one out of Megalia. Uh, uh, so it's more efficient. It's uh, it's real high quality. We concentrate just on quality, but I can build. I try to take on smaller jobs. But but you have access to quality cabinets that you then finish. Is that correct? Mostly. Yeah. I, I can. Uh, I repair and refinish. Uh, I don't go into detail. I won't go into detail over the air talking about. A lot of the ways I go about doing things, but uh, I can refinish as fine a finishes out there. It's it, probably it, old school. Uh, old methods. school, yeah, old school. I was really disappointed with the the EPA with the, with the everything turning water based. Finally, they've per, they've perfected water base enough so that now I can look good. But I wouldn't use it for years until they got it better. Now, oh right, they they got rid of certain chemicals. They got rid of yes, the finish, they did. Right. Uh-huh. Which is environmentally better. I agree with that. But as far as me looking good with the finishes, it's 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 harder to look good with oil based finishes. Now they have both oil based and water based so perfected that you can't uh, tell much difference between the finishes. Wow. Uh, I I. Uh, I prefer lacquer, but uh, lacquer is, I use the pre-cat, it's called, pre-catalyst. The catalyst is already mixed in the lacquer, so it's a lot harder. Lacquer is known for being a softer material than uh, polyurethane or verithane, which are your uh, varnish styles. Is that what gives it a shiny finish? Well, the shine comes from, they build that into the the actual finish. If you want a shine that's a gloss, they, you buy the gloss if you want semi-gloss. Semi-gloss used to be the thing, but more and more uh, people, almost all people, are turning to the satin finish. It has a soft luster to it, which is more forgiving of any imperfection there might be in the wood. Right. But uh, yeah. that's that's kind of some of the... I remember there used to be a Formsby program. Some of the people that have an age like I do remember Formsby's program on uh, television, and he would show people how to how to... Uh, do their their refinishes on their furniture and how to correct things but i basically am known for correcting problems whether it's drawers or doors right nothing's worse than a drawer that like doesn't (laughs) fit or comes off the hinge all the time right and sometimes the uh the drawer slides just need to be replaced with with the newer full extension ones or the soft close, easy close. Now, my mom used to use a bar of soap on that. Kind of hey, thing. you know, that's not bad. <laughs> but, of course, back in the day when they did uh, less uh, metal slides with rollers on them, nowadays they do full extension slides that are moderately priced, and they'll they'll go from 50 to 100 pounds of weight that they hold. Wow. And so you can pull them clear out so that things go... Used to, in the old days, things got stuck in the back of the drawer, and a year or two later, you'd find something. Wow, I wondered where that went. Right. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Now, what do you see as far as the costs of, like, for instance, the wood cabinets that if someone needs a cabinet job and they have to buy a 
kitchen full of cabinets. Mm -hmm. Is the price gone up lately on that, or is it staying steady? Well, there's a lot of things going on with the China market and the uh, overseas market, and even ships that are out there, you know, 100 miles offshore that are uh, complete set-up cabinet shops, and they they uh, float the logs out there and cut the lumber and dry kiln it there. And, I mean, they've got they complete— they do it on the ship? They do it on board the ship right wow. there. And uh, there's a lot of things going on like that that people are totally unaware of. Is and it's quality, been going on for decades. Is the quality a little iffy sometimes? The quality's not there. They, they You know, it's mass production stuff. Uh, it looks good when you look at it. Wow, that's a nice-looking cabinet, and that's as far as it goes. It's like— uh, finish deep that's it's like right. instead of skin deep it's finish deep so if they don't have someone good like you to actually get it all finished it's not going to look too good i mean well no. no i'm not talking about on the new cabinets that you buy like from home depot or some of these places that you can get newer right. cabinets but, but let's let's say you had a wealthy customer uh-huh. who wanted the high-end stuff that's still out there too right right but want, even if someone wanted to spend triple I use like Ethan Allen and Thomasville. Everybody, these companies that used to be really high-end, well-made right here in the United States that are shipping out their, their work to other countries, and that means all the money's going along with it. Right. Uh, when the customer buys it here, that money goes overseas. The only people that come out dollar-wise really to the good are the greedy people here that are mostly the American people that have gotten smart enough to outsource uh, all that, and they're buying things for uh, you know a nickel on the dollar. Right. Uh, they're they're buying it for a nickel and selling it to us to ninety cents and act like they're doing us a favor right. and and it's uh, it's pathetic. Somebody's getting greedy and somebody's getting wealthy off of this, uh, and it has to stop somewhere. This right. nation's and I think it's it's reversing slowly. It's like tur- turning the big Titanic around so it misses the iceberg because we've been heading for the iceberg and we are going under right. if it doesn't <laughs> turn. That's part of what I'm glad you mentioned that because I sort of wanted to lead into that kind of thing. When you look at the United States economy, a hundred years ago, we were the industrial powerhouse of the world. Amen to that. With all the factories, good jobs for everybody. Mm -hmm. A man man could, uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of Bruce Springsteen and he's from Pennsylvania, he's from New Jersey, but he has songs about the the steel mills, factories in Pennsylvania and everything. And, uh, in those days, a man could get a good job, didn't have to go to college. His wife didn't have to work. Amen. She didn't have to work. And one job would buy a small house, feed a small family, and, you know, put Have kids. enough to put some and savings. the kids would go to work for the same factory, mm-hmm. and they would make a good living. Right. That, that's sort of like the old American way. And some of the dads could save up enough money then, even on, on a dollar and a half an hour, they could save up enough money to put their boy... Or their daughter through uh, through college, right. so they, they wouldn't have to college. end up right. Right, so they could move on exactly a little, a little further, even yeah. on such meager right. wages. So when you look at the United States economy right now, what the heck are we making? Yeah, it, are we making? I think we're making Facebook, Amazon, and <laughs> Google. <laughs> yeah, the Fang stocks. Oh, and Netflix. Well, the yeah. trades, the, here, here's the thing to my advantage in the trades. I have an age. I've been doing this a lot of years, and I don't plan on retiring. I plan on working up until I, I fall in my tracks. And I'm still quite <laughs> healthy, and I don't think that's going to be for another 30 years or more. Sounds so good. I, I plan on keeping on, keeping <laughs> on. But uh, I don't take on a lot of jobs. I take on smaller jobs that I can get done in a week, you know, most of them. Sometimes it extends out to a week and a half. 
And right. That, so you don't get involved. I in don't the get giant involved of, with big projects that are a month or a month and a half out there. I, that's another good lesson. I had a client who was he's a real talented contractor. And he made a living all those years just doing nice, you know, remodels, building a house here and there. And he got caught up in a large job. It was a, I won't go into specifics because I don't want anybody to identify him. But he ended up doing the, he was a framing expert. He did the framing of a large hotel out of town from Chico. That's all I'm going to say. He got, and I hate to use this word, I won't use the word, he got ripped off and taken advantage of so bad, he virtually ended up bankrupt because the large company that was like the general just would not pay him. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, he ended up not only not getting paid by the general, he ended up being liable for all of his own payroll taxes, and that's not going to be forgiven. So, anyway... All I can tell people, like Douglas is saying about his cabinet work, you know, don't don't stretch it past you know your comfort level. Don't go out of your league. If you're doing week long jobs, stick with week long jobs. Douglas, I don't think is going to go out and take on a, a 200 unit apartment complex to do all the cabinets. I don't think that would be something he would want to do. So, the the point I was also getting to is that look at this economy. What do we do? We don't make anything. We you know, assemble a few things. Right. We don't really make anything. And w- when we do make something, a lot of times it's prohibitively expensive right. to make it here. That's true. Right. I just saw another article today. It was on a, like, I think on CNBC or something. And it was talking about how the minimum wage laws in Seattle have backfired. Really, and so the minimum wage is gradually going up to fifteen dollars an hour. So what's happening is the business owners are hiring more skilled people, and they're saying, "Well, if I'm going to pay fifteen bucks an hour, I'm going to well, skip the basic guy. Might as well that doesn't pay two have or, a degree. Might as well pay two or three more dollars I'll, an hour. Yeah, I'll pay and get a highly get professional, a educated guy sure. who can do a lot better work, right? In some degree. So, and it's also resulting, it's resulting in less hours being worked in those cities right? because there's only so much money to go around. How much more can Starbucks raise a, a cup of uh, caramel macchiato <laughs> large whipped with yeah. frappe? When's that going to hit $10? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How high can that go? <laughs> so it's like, what does, this com- what does this country do? Where's the money coming from? Now, related to that is this article that I just saw today. It's actually from... Uh, Does anybody recognize the name Patrick Buchanan? Well, I'm going to get back to this Patrick Buchanan article when we come back. So don't go anywhere. We're going to talk national economy, folks. Talk to you soon. Do Earth-sized planets mean life? This is Ken Ham, president of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, and Ark Encounter. Anytime scientists discover a planet that might be slightly Earth-like or even Earth-sized, they get excited about the possibility of finding life. But does Earth-sized mean life? No, it doesn't. Earth contains dozens of conditions that must be just right for life to exist. You need liquid water, the right gravitational pull to hold onto an atmosphere, the right gases in that atmosphere, the proper distance from the sun, the right kind of sun, and so much more. That just gets you the conditions favorable for life. It doesn't get you life or the information system needed for life. 
All life was created by God. It didn't evolve. Want to know more about extraterrestrial life, extrasolar planets, and God's Word? Visit us at AnswersRadio.com. You can also sign up for daily emails from Ken Ham at AnswersRadio.com. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. What? Why? Just wait for the inheritance. We've definitely got a rich uncle somewhere. We're one call away from the winner's circle at the Derby, dinners with multiple forks, a vacation home in the country, using summer as a verb. You don't actually think that, do you? When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Business Buzz is back. We're here. Douglas Broughton's here. We're kind of talking national national news, national economy. I've got a really interesting article. I didn't know that there's a there's a website. I just found it here called Buchanan.org. Uh, I got to be honest. I actually changed my I changed my voting I changed my voting registration solely because I wanted to vote for Pat Buchanan. This was about 20, maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago. So anyway, I didn't, he's still kind of active. He was like a Nixon administration chief of staff kind of guy. But anyway, I just, uh, I don't agree with everything he says, but I like a lot of his stuff. Anyway, the title of this article, and this is the one I was saying, you won't hear this on CNN or Fox News, most likely. The title of the article is, Are Illinois and Puerto Rico Our Future? Now, if anybody's aware of why Illinois and Puerto Rico need to be mentioned in the same headline right now, is because, and this is quoting this article, that's the name of the article from Patrick Buchanan, if Governor Bruce Rauner and his legislature in Springfield, which is the capital of Illinois, do not put a budget together by Friday, the land of Lincoln will be the first state in the union to see its debt plunge into junk bond status. So the reason that that is related to Puerto Rico is that Puerto Rico, and uh, this article even, the way this article is written is very entertaining. He says, speaking of banana republics, Puerto Rico, which owes $74 billion to creditors who hold its tax-exempt bonds and $40 billion in unfunded unfunded pension liabilities has already entered bankruptcy proceedings. So here's what we have. We have Wall Street who was able to change the rules so that Puerto Rican municipal bonds became tax-free even if even to your state tax. So here's how it works. I'm a CPA. I work with taxes all the time. If you live in California, if you want to buy municipal bonds, they're tax-free federal no matter where they come from. But if they're not California municipal bonds, California will tax your municipal bond interest. So if you buy New York municipal bonds, but you live in California, you're going to pay state tax on the New York bond interest. Well, here's what our brilliant Wall Streeters got through Congress. They made it to where Puerto Rican bonds are tax-free even to your state. So they were able to push that through. So the bottom line is Puerto Rico 
is an interesting Caribbean island. They have so many, because they're a territory of the U.S., they have so many rules. If you own a hotel in Puerto Rico, you cannot compete with the hotels in the other islands down there because you have to import all of your items that you sell from U.S. flagged vessels. So the neighboring country that is trying to get the tourists going can hire, you know, an inexpensive ship. That's how businesses get along. But if you're in Puerto Rico, you have to use a U.S. flagship, which is going to be, you know, triple the cost, and you are now not competitive. So the bottom line is we've sunk Puerto Rico's economy, and now they can't pay back this $74 billion of interest that they owe, plus all their pension liabilities. So what I'm getting at here is that Illinois is just about ready to join this club. Illinois is almost to the brink of asking the U.S. Congress, because it's not legal to do it right now, if they would allow them to form some sort of bankruptcy pleading. If they do that, they'll be the first state to ever succeed They'll be the that. first state to be, because it's not legal right now for a state to go bankrupt. Well, the danger it's legal of... for a city, but not for a state. Pardon me for interrupting. Yeah. Uh, but the danger of that is if they push that through and if they make it happen, and they might feel they need to happen as a bailout, but uh, we all need bailed out. There isn't anybody that doesn't need bailed out. There isn't a state that wouldn't Everybody claim. Everybody needs a little help now yeah, and then. Yeah, <laughs> and all the states will start saying, we need bailed out too. How about us? And pretty soon you've got a domino effect. How many states are there in the union anyway? And uh, maybe Rhode Island will be the least, the last one to get bailed out. But that's what's going to happen. I'm, this... glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because this article pointed out something that I wasn't aware of. It mentions the fact that then, here we go, then there is Connecticut. A state that every now everybody would think Connecticut's wealthy. That's where all the rich people live that commute to New York in helicopters mm-hmm. and all that. Yep. Connecticut too appears wobbly. Rising pension benefits, the cost of servicing the state debt, uh, fleeing residents and companies like Aetna and General Electric have dropped Connecticut to near the national bottom. Okay, so what we have here going on right now, and this relates right back to my story about Grandpa Smith and Grandpa Jones. We have right now a complete crisis brewing with the Federal Reserve having zero interest for the last nine years. Pension funds are not able to earn a reasonable rate of return on their money safely. And these pension funds, like Illinois, don't have the money to pay. So mention some of the pension funds off the top of your head. Well, like in California, For we instance. have Cal, the big ones are CalPERS and CalSTRS. CalPERS is Public Employees Retirement System. CalSTRS is State Teachers Retirement System. Those are the two biggest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Here's the situation with them: their whole life depends on a seven and a half percent return. Over the last 10 years, they've made a little over four, and it's getting lower and lower. So here's the problem. Right now, if you look at at the investments of CalSTRS, you're going to see tons of things like Facebook stock, Apple stock, uh, possibly Puerto Rican municipal bonds, possibly city of Chicago bonds. I don't know. What I'm saying is, if the market were to crash right now, the shortfall that CalPERS and CalSTRS already is involved with 
will go astronomical. And the way I see it in my business is I have a lot of tax clients who are CalPERS recipients. I have uh, firemen who are CalPERS recipients that, you know, they earn their pension. They, that was the contract. When they went to work 40 years ago, they were told you will get this much money per month if you work 30 years and retire. So obligated to the contract is CalPERS to pay X number of dollars every month to every fireman, policeman, uh, all the state workers. And CalSTRS takes care of all the elementary school teachers, and that's a huge one too. They all have the same problem. You cannot make 7% safely right now. The only way you can do it is to gamble in the stock market. Wow. So when I read an article about Illinois and Puerto Rico in the same sentence, that's the that's a bad situation because, like Douglas was saying, if the U.S. Congress, how can we fix this? Can we actually let all the Illinois teachers not get their pension money? Well, my suggestion to the Illinois teachers and other teachers out there that are worrying and fretting, what shall we do? What if this? What if that? There are ways that they can have a little bit of security so they can still at least eat and uh, One of and the have a little gas, and you know the solution to that. Right. So that's it what I'm leading be, into for that's you. That's right. And what I talked about earlier, if these people have insured their money, then if they get a cut and their 5000 a month pension drops to 2500 if they bought gold 20 years ago, they might have some insurance in that regard. What about if they bought a little silver now? Silver is even better, and they should be buying some now because it's a fire sale, folks. Like like not uh, the Newsmatic, but the... uh, The Numismatic value, but the the bullion. The bullion. Right. right. Or what about the junk? They call it junk silver. It's not junk at all. I love it. That's my favorite, Douglas. That's mine, too. You know it is because we've talked about it. That's right. (laughs) Did you know, everyone, that uh, in 1964, when quarters were made of silver... You could buy a gallon of gas for a quarter. Right now, that same quarter, if it's from before 1965. If it's real silver. I can, uh, those are now worth about $3.70 a piece. And that's more, that's more than a gallon of gas. <laughs> that's pretty smart. You can actually get a bag of chips with your gallon of gas. Wow. So that's where the silver and gold protect you with insurance. My main concern for my clients is that if they do, if all they have is paper assets, by the time the CalPERS, if they ever have a big problem, the problem is going to come from the paper assets declining before the CalPERS goes bust, which means that their other side of the coin, their 403B or their retirement money, is sitting in paper assets, and those values can decline very quickly. Well... Like my grandpa used to say, if the money isn't in my hand, it's not my money. <laughs> that, 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 is the, uh, that, would be, that is the code these days. I mean, that, that's what everybody needs to live by. Right. What do you really own? That's Every, true. Everything you think you own is what's called it has counterparty risk. Mm-hmm. The money you gave to the bank, did you know that that's actually a loan to the bank? Wow. They do not have to give that back to you right away. If you read all the fine print, they can make you wait. Uh, Technically, if they lose it, if that bank goes up, uh, under, 
uh, FDIC can patch together small bank failures, but if your bank goes under, technically you lent them that money and they just happen to lose it. Well, I understand according to the law, I don't know if this is a state law or a federal law, you can correct me on this, but I, I understand that if you go and, and give the bank a demand, say you have $100,000 in the bank, they only have to pay you back on demand 1.75%, less than 2% of the money they're holding that's your money. On You can't go in and demand more than that much money. That's right. That's and sometimes bank, it takes a week or two for them to get that money. That's what a bank run is all about. Right. Once they let the something happen to where people lose faith in these bank accounts and these dollars, that's where it's going to be too late to buy your gold and silver as insurance mm-hmm. because everybody's going to want it, but no one's going to be selling it because they know it's their only hope. Mm-hmm. Right now in Venezuela, an ounce of silver will get you about a month's worth of food for wow. your family. Wow. But I don't think anybody has any down there. Because about 10 years ago before, or 20 years ago before all this happened, guess what they, what do you think they took away from people first? Firearms. I was just going to say, any any means of self-defense. No, Right, knowing that trouble's coming, they get rid of the guns, and then people start starving. Right now they're rioting. They burn down like the central bank building in Caracas. Mm -hmm. Nobody hears about that here. They're riots. They're burning things down. They're starving. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to leave the country. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we think that couldn't yeah. come here. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> thinks it'll come here. No. So, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to run out of time. So, Douglas, I wanted to make sure that we get your uh, contact information for anybody yeah, for who any, might be looking at uh, cabinet finish for, for work. Any, for any cabinet work or repair of cabinets and furniture. And I do high-end furniture and repair them and refinish them however you want, stain, whatever, and the match, whatever. Uh, 530-368-7838, 530-368-7838. Also, I occasionally facilitate the uh, the complete uh, operation of uh, heating and air below wholesale quite a bit. I average 1000 to $2,000 below the lowest bidder. I do this about once or twice a month. I don't hand out cards on that, but I've done it since the early 2000s. Mostly I get passed around by friends and relatives or somebody that tells somebody, and uh, I won't go into detail about that, but I do those two things because I can't live on the Social Security they allow us. We'll, well talk about that subject right, another time. Right, and those colas that, uh, <laughs> what, 1% this coming year or something? I, I, I can't know. remember exactly. but I don't know. Yeah, does anybody out there believe inflation's only 1%? <laughs> I mean, uh, I just know uh, the medical premiums alone are up. 20% a year on me. Well, housing just went up 5% in June. Right. It's up, just, it's just up houses, every, 5% right. in June. That's right. If and it rents. does that every month, figure that up for 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at 60%. 60% increase in houses. <laughs> oh, where'd the 1% go, Harold? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think it was between 14 and 15 or between 15 and 16, Social Security recipients got 0% increase. Wow. It's like, come on. Because, um, you know, I, I see it everywhere. Um, I try not to raise my fees at work because, you know, I want I want my customers to be happy. Nobody wants a raise every year, but I kind of have to because I'm very modest on up. my prices, too. Yeah. I, I'm still old school on what I charge people. I leave money on the table all the time. I don't charge enough. 
Well, so we're, we're, we're at that age. Well, your loss is their gain. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so call, call Douglas Broughton. Uh, stay tuned to The Buzz every day at 3 o'clock here, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Scott Ulrich. I'm Ben Taney. I'm Trisha Coder. And I'm Matt Four. This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now. A half hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico Now. So join us at 1230, Monday through Friday here on KKXX for Chico Now. This is Pastor Glenn from Butte Bible Fellowship. I want to take a moment 